How we doing? I am your host, Robert T. Gardner Jr., also known as Dr. Rob. Welcome to Station B.O.B. And let me tell you a little about thee. I am a kid from a Harlem hood who turned out good. I got educated like I should. Now I know how to help you grow to become the best of your being in life, love, and work. With that said, I am here to provide you with some clarity associated with the perplexity of the challenges in your life, love, and work. So, without further ado, let's get down on it. Enjoy the show. How you doing? And welcome once again, my friend, to Station B.O.B., where you listen to learn how to become the best of your being in life, love, and work. Speaking of work, today I bring you an essential topic, one that has to do with work. As I stated in my podcast intro, this podcast is about providing vital and valuable insight regarding your daily life activities related to life, love, and work. So our topic for today is Management 101. If you were recently promoted or hired into a position where you manage employees, this is for you. If you were not recently promoted or hired into a position where you manage employees, this is for you too. Because you will learn about what it takes to effectively manage and work with people, no matter what type of work you do. And with that said, let's get down on it and talk about Management 101. First, I'd like to start by by asking the question, what does it take to be an effective and good manager of people at work and elsewhere, like community organizations, churches, and any small business? And before I take a deep dive into the topic, I should say, I think it's necessary for me to briefly tell you something about my background and qualifications. Now, you know, I don't mean to to brag or boast, but as your host, I must share something about my education and experience so you know why I am capable and qualified to talk to you about Management 101. With that said, I'd just like to share with you that I'm a graduate of Fordham University and I also have a master's degree in human resources and labor relations from NYU. And that comes with 20 years of experience as a senior HR team leader who has advised, consulted, trained, and trained corporate leaders on a variety of employment topics, which includes working with unions. And so I just wanted to share that so you have a a good idea of my experience and qualifications because my, my most recent shows have been about topics pertaining to life, love, and work. And today I'm here to talk to you about work 
and the podcast that features the discussion on Management 101. So let's get it going. As a manager, you should be trained. And the reason why I say that, because in my experience, I have found that Many people are promoted, and usually the most technical person is promoted, that, that productive person that understands the ins and outs of the work being performed in a particular department. However, upon promoting these individuals, many organizations make the same mistake which leads to poor management. And that mistake is that employers tend not to train the managers that they have promoted. These individuals, first they're working with their peers and some who may have become their friends, and now they are promoted into supervisory or management or director positions. And so now they have to manage their peers or former peers, I should say, and perhaps maybe there's one or two friends mixed in that group as well. And so it, it is very important that organizations train their managers. It's important because we need to have, um, to manage people, we need, you should have a management style. And I'm going to talk more about your management style in a few minutes. I just wanted to point out that it is very important, it is imperative that organizations train their managers who either have been newly hired or promoted into supervisory and managerial positions so that they understand their role as a as a leader of men and women. And so as a manager, supervisor, department head, I'm sorry, department head, you should be familiar with certain human resources policies. Policies like time and attendance, the code of conduct. You know, the code of conduct will let you know what type of behavior is acceptable and what type of behavior is unacceptable regarding work performance, harassment, sexual harassment, um, just a, a variety of topics is covered in the code of conduct that would be essential for you as a, a manager to be familiar with. You should also be familiar with vacation and other time off benefits like sick leave, workers' compensation, and disability. Understanding these processes will help you become a more effective manager because you'll have an understanding what employees and why employees are off work. And if they're not at work for extended periods of time, like vacation, disability, or workers' compensation injuries, you'll have a better understanding of that. And you should also, if you work in a unionized environment, you should also become familiar with the collective bargaining agreement. Your failure to do so, your failure to be familiarize yourself with certain aspects of collective bargaining agreements will definitely lead to you 
being diminished in your role as a, a manager, department head, and so on, because the unions, they take advantage of managers who are not familiar with the collective bargaining agreement. So it is essential that if you work in a unionized environment, that you also become familiar with the collective bargaining agreement. And one one very important reason why you want to do that, because in the contract, the way the, the unionized employees and the delegates and advocates work, you would think that the only rules in the workplace had to do with the collective bargaining agreement. And that is not true. And usually early in the collective bargaining agreements, there are usually in the the first five pages, one of the most important pages in the collective bargaining agreement is the page that is entitled management rights and management rights in the contracts help you understand the type of leverage and latitude you have in working with unionized employees. Remember, these are your employees. They just are members of a union, but they don't work for the union. They work for you and the organization which employs all concerned. So familiarization with the collective bargaining agreement if you work in a unionized environment is essential. In addition, as a manager, you want to improve your cultural competence. Now, cultural competence has been a thing in the workplace for probably more than 20 years at this point. And so if you are not aware or, or understand the importance of becoming or being culturally competent, then you, you would be lacking and your ability to deal effectively with a diverse staff. I can't tell you how important it is for somebody from another culture, another ethnic group, to to work in a place and their manager, their peers, understand you know why they take certain days off, why they observe certain holidays, why you know why Muslims pray five times a day and and how wonderful for them it would be if their manager or employer provided a space for them to, uh, you know, fulfill some of their cultural and, and religious concerns at, at work. So cultural competence essentially means that you are versed or have some understanding of the customs and traditions of the various employees who may not be, United States citizens or or all United States citizens, but just practice their um, cultures in in the workplace and in in America. That would be very helpful to become culturally competent, and it helps you understand the cultural differences in staff, and it also boosts morale. Continuing on. When you hire people to work on your team, when, when, in other words, like when, when you have a new hire and they come into your department, that individual, he or she should be oriented to all the relevant manuals and policies and rules for your department and the organization. 
This will help that individual get his or her proper footing in the organization, have an understanding of the expectation and where they fit in the whole scheme of things in your department and in the respective organization. Also, on day one, I'd like to point out that it's very very important to introduce your new hire, the new staff member, to all the team members on day one, for all those who are present at work. Acclimate them to the team instantly. It's also important to, as a good manager that you have an open-door policy. Unless you are busy conducting confidential business for the organization, It is important to have an open door policy where employees feel that they they can that you're approachable, that they can get to you with their issues, concerns or even the good things that happen to them. Closed doors, closed doors, closed doors. In other words, closed doors limit communication, closed doors limit access, closed doors limit understanding. The open door policy is the best thing for success for you as a manager in any organization. In addition, you want to have weekly meetings with with your team. That is imperative to communicate the issues in the department, in the organization that that either are good or bad and any adjustments that need to be made to make things better, to improve productivity, and how and who will make that happen. Remember, as a manager, it is your job to respect and motivate your employees. To be, in other words, to, I'm sorry, to respect and motivate your employees to be productive so that you and your department can exceed your organization's goals and expectations for the success of the business. Your job is not to become involved in entanglements with your staff regarding personal differences and things like that that derail productivity, decrease morale, and increase absenteeism, and turnover. And this is important also, as I mentioned earlier, that not only do new managers, new supervisors, new directors, not only should they be trained as to how to manage people in their new roles, but you also have to develop or have a management style. Because if you don't have a management style, then you start managing not in a system, but you manage by fear. And I'm going to talk more about that on the other side of the break. I'm going to step aside, get out the way, so I can include a promo. Have you read any good books lately? Your host, Robert T. Gartner Jr., also known as Dr. Rob, is the author of three great books. In his first book, The Choices We Make, 
Robert takes a look at relationships to help readers learn how to have a good relationship with themselves before they can have good relationships with others. In his second book, Access Denied, Robert brings an eye-opening perspective about what happens to children and fathers when their relationships with the mothers of their children end on bad terms. Robert explores what he calls child pawn when a parent, usually the mother, uses a child as a weapon to hurt the other parent. Robert provides a let-go lab in his book to help parents find positive ways to resolve their issues in the best interest of their children. Light Up Your Life is Robert's latest book. Robert writes about the fact that we are all born with a special God-given talent. Even though we are all born with a special talent, most of us miss our true calling. In this book, you will learn how to find your special talent and light up your life so that you can become the person you were born to be and live a more fulfilled, purpose-driven life. Books are available at barnesandnobles.com, amazon.com, and Robert's website, relationshipreadiness.org. Thank you, and back to the show. Wow, thank you. To my audience, what do you think about that promo? I like it. Do you like it? That's all I want to know. Give the people what they want. So back to management 101. When I left off before the break, I was talking about the need to to be an effective manager. You should have a management style. And so there are eight types of management styles. And this is this is not me talking. This is based on the research that I've done in terms of looking at leaders and understanding, you know, how human resources or how management works. As a matter of fact, I remember when I was a, a graduate student at NYU learning about human resources and at that time when I was doing my research there were only five management styles. And as, and as a matter of fact, two or three of those management styles are not even listed in the listing that I'm going to discuss with you right now about management styles. So, But also, I would like to point out that on the books, they say that there are eight types of management styles. But I have to tell you, based on my experience, I have to say that there are nine management styles and the ninth management style I'm going to talk about first. And so the management style that I'm talking about is actually when you don't have a management style, men and women who do not adopt a management style, they tend to manage by fear. What does that mean? That means that I'm the boss. You do what I say. Or you'll get fired. And so, you know, there, there's a spirit and in, in, in an energy in, in, in the, you know, in the air of uh, intimidation and fear. And those type of management styles or that type of management style, I should say, is very ineffective to, to manage by fear because you don't know any better. So what do you do? You push people around because why? Because you are the boss. But as I said, that is a very ineffective management style. 
in that it decreases morale, employee morale. What is employee morale? Employee morale is the way your employees feel about the job, the people they work with, and the type of work that they do. And when employee morale diminishes, productivity diminishes. So not only does a manager who manages by fear decrease morale, but they also increase absenteeism. If your morale is low and you don't like your job or the person you work for or the people you work with, there's a tendency to, um, <coughs> excuse me, I'm going to be out sick today. I'm really not feeling well. I'll do my best to come in tomorrow. So you get a lot of sick calls. Turnover increases. And so it's important to understand that as a manager, when you when you develop a management style, that's sort of like you're understanding your system of managing people in a way to, say, rally the troops to be inspired, to be productive. And without a management style, then we, we, we push people around. We yell when we don't have to we, because we want people to know who's in charge. But that, as I said, is the most ineffective way to manage. So there are three things to consider when um, one is evaluating, you know, when you're being evaluated for a leadership position. People look at your personality. They look at your strength and how and how well their management style aligns with the business culture. So while different circumstances demand different methods of managing employees, the best leaders are those who are committed to meeting business goals and driving employee performance. Did you, did you hear that? Driving employee performance. So managers, business leaders who manage by fear, you don't drive employee performance. What you do is drive employees out of the building. So I'm going to go over and discuss briefly because eight management styles is a lot, but it's important that you get an idea what each one of them entails. And the idea is to, to review what a management style is and see which one matches your personality, your ideas, your thinking. And, and that way you take yourself out of the process when you manage people. But remember, the idea is not, as a manager, is not to become involved in entanglements with your staff over personal issues. Your goal as a manager is to meet business goals and drive employee performance. So with that said, let's talk about the first management style, democratic management style. This, this, this management style, when I was studying human resources in graduate school, it was called participatory management, which basically is a democratic style of management. When decisions are made, the leader, you know, involves the, the group, 
member is in the discussion. Now, that leader, he or she, will make the final decision, but the idea is to include the team members in the discussion so that they take part in the the decision-making process. And when you have that, people feel more aligned with the company and the company goals because they participated in the process and they're not being pushed around or, 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 or disrespected or diminished. What's happening is they're being included, they're being included, uplifted, and that improves, increases employee morale. And I, and I want you to know that a happy employee is a productive employee. The next management style is laissez-faire. Where, where leaders tend to be hands-off and they, they maintain a high level of confidence in their employees, pretty much trust that the employees will will get the job done and you don't manage um, everybody, or should I say micromanage. And so laissez-faire leadership, that style works best when when you're managing highly experienced professionals, and 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 people who are self-disciplined and they you know people like that often you know demonstrate greater initiative and and responsibility because they understand what's at stake and but you know laissez-faire is not my style but it's a style that you can utilize if you understand that your people are the people who can fit well in that type of management style. The autocratic management style. This one is centered on results and efficiency and is usually devoid of collaborating with uh, em- employees. The autocratic style leader, you know, believes in micromanaging, uh, directing the work, having, you know, hands-on in the management process. Now, this this too works in certain environments but you have to understand that an autocratic style of management may not work in every environment. And at the same time, you have to see what works for you and then try to tweak it to make it work for them, them being the people you work with, the people you lead, the people you manage. Charismatic management style. Now, this is definitely a new one. Um, And so... This style has to do with when you when you you're charming and you're persuasive, you know, lots of compliments to your staff. Charismatic leaders are also interested in building personal relationships and rallying, I'm sorry, rallying their team around a common goal. This style of management is useful for helping employees feel supportive. This is, as I said, charismatic management style. That that sounds like something uh, out of the book of President Obama. Then you have the coach management style. This is management style number four. Leaders who use the coaching management style often possess qualities similar to a sports team coach. They're dedicated to their employees' ongoing development and can quickly identify what motivates each employee to 
succeed. A coaching leader is skilled in recognizing each employee's unique strengths and weaknesses and determining how to help them become better professionals. So the, the, the coaching management style, that's also a new one for me between being charismatic and now you can be a good coach. And many of us, we, we think we're coaches anyway. We, we coach our husbands. We coach our wives. We coach our children. We coach them all to do what we want and how we want them to do that. And, I mean, I'm sorry, and how we want them to do it. So, <laughs> you know, see how that works for you. Pace setting management style. Leaders who practice the pace setting management style often set high standards for their team and are especially concerned with speed and efficiency. Now, the pace setting management style, when I was in school, that was called scientific scientific management, where it was the same thing where lawyers were seeking lawyers, I'm sorry, leaders are always seeking new ways to become more productive and expect the same for the employees. It's like the energy, you're more like, um, I don't want to say robotic, but, you know, this is another style where the employees, are, you're not necessarily collaborating with leadership to be a part of the group decision that's going to affect you and your work. Uh, the... The, this management style can build trust among employees and 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 recognize uh, the same standards. The, the manager sets the same standards for himself or herself is set for the employees. Let's see now the bureaucratic management style. That's that's an old one. Bureaucracies tend to be in government work. You know, uh, essentially. Bureaucracies, I remember from my experience working in for a few public agencies in New York City, like the New York City Department of Correction, and um, I worked for another city agency. I cannot think of the name right now, but my point is is that when you work a, a bureaucratic management style tends to move slower and there, there's, I, I would say, more accountability. You may need more signatures. You know, you manage through layers. And let me let me just be a little more specific, and 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 look at the list. Leaders who adhere to the bureaucratic style of management focus on assigning specific duties to employees within a well-defined hierarchy. See, that's what I was talking about, that there are different levels, you know, from the bottom up. And when you go through each and every level, usually signatures are required. Review of the work is required by these different various areas, and that slows down the process to get the final result. Usually, the bureaucratic management style is found in, you know, government agencies and, and organizations. And so, bureaucratic management style is the seventh, man. I'm sorry, that would be the eighth, since I said there were nine management styles. And we are coming down... <clears throat> to the final management style, and hopefully you're still there with me. And we're about to wrap up 
on the subject of management 101 but let me continue on with the with the final management style which is called transactional management style leaders who follow a, a transactional management style enhance employee performance with positive rewards like bonuses and incentives and incentives and respond to negative outcomes with disciplinary action they often act as mentors and provide explicit instruction to help increase performance and ensure employees consistently meet expectations. This style of management is highly effective in helping teams hit sales and revenue goals, but less useful for leading teams or departments focused on driving innovation. Ultimately, identifying the best management style for each leader, which would be you, requires careful observation and consideration. I just talked about nine different types of management styles. And that's a lot to work with. And perhaps you could even consider taking a piece from one management style and, and a piece from another management style and creating your own management style, which works best for you, your personality, your skills, education, and experience. But the, the main idea is to not manage by fear. That is the most ineffective management style that's out there. And before we wrap up on the topic, Management 101, I'm going to get out the way and let in another promo. Relationship Readiness Life and Work Preparedness Services, the place you come to for coaching, consulting, and counseling in life, love, and work. We are a multi-purpose service organization that will coach you up, educate, guide, and motivate you to succeed. We provide management training and consulting services for all businesses in the areas of employee relations, unionized employees, progressive discipline, the annual review process, and emotional intelligence to develop effective leaders for your organization. And our relationship counseling services for individuals, couples, groups show you how to become relationship ready with improved self-esteem, resilience, and self-awareness. To learn more about our programs and services, please contact Robert T. Gardner Jr. by email at changeagentrtg at gmail.com or request a meeting for a free one-hour consultation at relationshipreadiness.org. Thank you, and let's go back to Station B.O.B. Okay, welcome back. You know, I've read somewhere a long time ago that while you're working, and with your staff, it's, 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 it's a good idea to just have a laugh break, somewhere where you can go and laugh. So right now, I'm just going to take a quick laughter break. Ah, oh, that felt so good. <laughs> it's good to laugh. So, as we close this topic out today, Management 101, what I, I, I want to point out something very important. That as a manager, even as an employee, 
you know, quite often we find ourselves at work or you will find that some of your employees at work, um, they have the, these little personal scraps and dust-ups with themselves and you find that one employee doesn't like another, sometimes for reasons unbeknown to them. Or you as the manager may find that for some reason or another, you don't like one or two of you know, your direct reports, the people that report to you or one of your colleagues who works in the organization in the same capacity as you do. I think it's important to, to realize that at work, you don't have to like each other. There is no policy, no regulation, no rule that says we have to like each other at work. And that may sound cold, like what does he mean we don't have to like each other? Well, it would be nice if you did. But what I'm what I'm getting at is as an HR professional, I have found I that I have resolved so many conflicts between employees essentially built on the idea that they did not like one another. And so in that process, I used to explain to the to to those employees that you don't have to like one another. It would be nice, but we don't have any rules that cover and measure how much you like each other. But what you do have to do is respect one another. Now, most organizations have rules on respect and dignity. Okay. So understand that you don't have to like one another. As a manager, you don't have to like your staff, but you do have to respect them. And if we try to respect one another at work, we might find that we may begin to like one another. When you when you respect what the other person brings to the table, if they have your data, your reports, they're reliable, they show up on time, come to work every day, are productive, well, by golly, you thought you didn't like me, but you're starting to respect me because... I have never let you down at work. And so what I'm really saying is as a manager, as a co-worker, as an employee, as a director, it's not about who you like or who likes you. Because I tell you, there is gonna be there are going to be some people who don't like you for reasons that you may never find out. And then there are going to be one or two people on the job or that you direct and manage that you don't like. But the focus is not liking one another. The focus should be on respecting one another. And then you may find that you actually do like that person because they do what you hired them to do. So as a manager... Learn how to manage, understand who and what you're managing, take yourself personally out the process, and have a management style that, that provides you with a system where you can effectively manage people and drive the performance of their work. For further discussions on, on, on any employment or employment law or employee relations topic, I am available. You can find out more about me and my services at my website, relationshipreadiness.org. 
I want to thank you for listening. You can find my podcast on Apple and Spotify and all over social media, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn. Thank you so much for tuning in, my friend. I really appreciate having you here with me, and we have so much more to give and to do in, in our podcast to come. Take care, be nice, and do the right thing when nobody is looking. As we wrap up this show, I hope this topic helped you to grow. And now you know a little bit more than you knew before. If you have any questions about this topic, please email me at changeagentrtg at gmail.com. See my website, relationshipreadiness.org. To learn more about my counseling, consulting, and educational programs related to life, love, and work. Finally, in the words of the late, great Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., if I can help somebody as I pass along, if I can cheer somebody with a word or song, if I can show somebody he is traveling wrong, then my living will not be in vain. Until we meet again, do the right thing when nobody is looking. Peace, beloved.